Welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast, where we hope to equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven. Hey, welcome to the Life and Rhythm Podcast. We are going to do a little bit of a different episode today. And so, Matt, we're going to actually recap our May equipping gathering. But before we get into exactly what we talked about for the month of May, what is an equipping gathering and why are we doing it? Yeah. What does the word equip mean? That's a good question. Because in Ephesians 4, when it talks about the church and it talks about overseers in the church, it seems like the Apostle Paul is telling us as ministers and leaders within the church that our job is to equip the saints, not do the work for the saints, but equip them. And that word is interesting because it's the same word that when Jesus appears to some of the first disciples and it says they're mending their nets because they're fishermen. So they're obviously as you fish, you break nets. And so they're literally putting them back together. They're mending them. That's the exact same word equip that Paul uses in Ephesians 4, which I think is a really cool mental picture of what we're called to do when we interact with people that are doing life and are broken just Mm. through the fishing of everyday life in whatever activity you're doing, there's some brokenness that's happening. And our job is to help put them back together as they are made in the image of Christ. So one of the things that we say is that our job is just to outfit people for kingdom life. Yes. To mend their nets, so to speak, you know, and with this idea of like, you can do it and we can help you. Yeah. Um, But it's not our job, you know, quote unquote, as pastors or directors or whatever you want to call us. Mm -hmm to do the fishing for them. Like God has called them to a specific work in and of themselves. They have been gifted by the spirit. They have the fruit of the spirit. And so our job is just to help equip them in that. Absolutely. So our goal every month is to have somewhat of a discovery session. So we're going to discover together um, around a particular topic. We're going to experience something together around that topic. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to really come away with expounding on. So there's there's a little bit of information that's given, a paradigm maybe that's that's shifted um, or, you know, a, a, a parameter that we're kind of playing with in terms of what it is to be a disciple that makes disciples and then, you know, how to see the church emerge. Yeah. Um, really what we want to do, you know, going away from our equipping gatherings is be able to exactly what you're saying, like, hey, here's some tools. Yeah. Uh, you can do it. We can help you. Go and practice this. Go and practice this. Yeah. Experience this, you know, throughout um, your everyday life. And yeah. then let's reflect on that the next time we come back together. Yeah. So like uh, a couple nights ago in our May equipping gathering, we did a discovery Bible study basically around Matthew 28 mm-hmm. in the Great Commission. And one of the comments, one of my favorite comments of the whole night was by Sarah Warner. Mm -hmm. When you asked her, like, what is an artist? How do you view yourself as an artist? And her phrase of like, I just would say that I'm in the practice of putting paint on a canvas. What a great phrase. I'm in, (laughs) I am practicing 
putting paint on a canvas. And that really captivated my imagination for what we're called to do as disciples and disciple makers is mm-hmm. we're to put into practice the, the things that Jesus did, the things that he said at, in making disciples. Like we're just in the practice of following Jesus and being changed by Jesus, committed to the mission of Jesus, all yes. centered around the person and the work of Jesus. Yes. I want to ask you a question about Matthew 28, but before we dive into that, the the thing that teed up that question with Sarah is just seeing yourself as a disciple maker. Identity Mm -hmm. precedes rhythms or habits. And so as I see myself as an artist, you know, and and it's, I love the way that she talked about it because she, she kind of described her journey. The first time she put paint to canvas, she didn't say, I am artist. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like the identity like bestowed upon her and like she was yeah. living into that like a new creation, right? Yeah. But it was through her practice of that over Time. years. Yeah. that she started to identify as no, I am an artist. Yeah, we all know the difference between somebody who's just putting paint on a canvas and somebody who's practiced in the way of putting things on a canvas. For instance, if you put me and Sarah side by side, you would quickly tell who is doing art in that moment and who is an artist. You would be able to tell that is not me. Finger painting is still an art. (laughs) You you got that. I got that. That's good. (laughs) All right, so we walked through, again, this identity piece putting on this identity as a disciple maker um, and kind of holding this tension between I am a Christian. um, And often when you ask that question or somebody that question, like, Hey, you know, are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a Christian? What, what comes after that? And it's almost just, I don't know. It's a part of our culture is yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to this church. Yeah. Where do you go? It's, you know, I associate myself with a particular brand as opposed to an identity and what I do that follows that identity, Mm -hmm. which what we would say going through Matthew 28 is, yeah, I'm a disciple that I'm a disciple maker. I make disciples. I apprentice people in the way of Jesus. And so let's talk a little bit, just what came out of that Matthew 28, walking through that scripture together on Sunday. Yeah, there was some cool conversation around the table. One of my favorites was uh, one of our friends, Wade, who was on a previous podcast. He drew a picture when he, t- when he thought about, okay, what he's are, an artist. Because he's an artist. Yes. And so he drew a picture of a cruise line and how many times our Christian experience, especially in the United States, is very consumeristic. It's about what cruise line you're on. It's about who the, who the preacher is and how good he is at... <laughs> at crafting a message that keeps you awake for 30 minutes. It's about the band. It's about, man, they really brought me to tears by that song. It must've been the bass in the room or maybe the Holy Spirit. I don't know, but that band is incredible. I love that music. Or some people it's like, no, I love, like this is my cup of tea. And so anyways, he, he contrasted, he drew a cruise line and then he drew a battleship uh, of actually people that are being sent off of the battleship on mission, embarking on an adventure to go rescue other people. Hmm. And that was such a cool contrasting image to me of what the church is called to be, what we're not called to be. We're not called to be a cruise line. We're called to be a place, a harbor of sorts where ships come in, tattered, broken, 
empty and they are fixed up, they're equipped, the nets are mended, the sails are mended, and they're sent back out on mm. an adventure of their own. They have to embark on their own adventure. But the whole point is sending them out, not keeping them in, not collecting. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, I've heard somebody describe churches should be like an airport. You know, it's not, you don't go to an airport and be like, man, I made we've it. arrived. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that white sandy beach that I was really wanting, that doesn't even pale in comparison to this airport. This airport. But um, yeah, it's just, it's a conduit to, to get us to the place where we're, where we're headed. I like that. And yeah, I love, I love both of those analogies. All right. So, so Matthew 28, so you walk through, yeah. so you're like uncharted territory, you're pressing in um, on the ship you know, going to, you know, uncharted land. Yeah. Um, And then what else came up from Matthew 28, just from the room itself? Sure. So our, I remember our table also talked about um, all the alls in the Great Commission. So Jesus has given all authority. He's sending us out to all nations, every nation. He's telling us to obey all the commands that he gives, not some of the commands, all of them. And then it ends on a note of, I will be with you all ways at all times he's going to be with us and then we also talked about the two imperatives or the two commandments of jesus within Mm -hmm. the great commission are not go that's actually a phrase that just means hey order your life around this prioritize your life around making disciples or you could say it as as you go in your everyday life make disciples so go and make other apprentices, which if you're going to make a disciple, you got to be one. So you have to yeah. be currently being following Jesus and being changed by him and committed to his mission. But then also the other command that Jesus gives is at the very end when he says, behold, or be sure of this, mm-hmm. I am with you. So it's almost a call to a contemplative life, not just an action-oriented life, but a contemplative life where we're beholding something, someone, Jesus, and as we behold him, we become like him because we become like what we behold. Absolutely. So we talked a lot about that too, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, man. And there's so much from that um, with, with, I love, I love that. Uh, what comes to my mind when I think about beholding and as I go mm-hmm. is that I'm not, it's not forced. It's not something I have to conjure up. And, and, and we talked a little bit about this just, and I know we've said this on the, on the podcast before, but this, this rat race comparison game that we often play when it comes to, you know, expressing our faith, it's like, well, I can't do what, you know, X, Y, and Z person's doing. So therefore I'm, I, I'm not good enough, right. you know? And it's almost like one of those things where, you know, um, like an artist, you know, like I can't paint like Sarah. I'm looking at her painting right now in my yeah. in my kitchen. So it's like I'm not, I can never do that. And so it's like if we can never see ourselves doing that, then why why would I even start? You know, yeah. why would I even put paint to a canvas yeah. if I'm not going to be like that? Yeah. And you know that comparison game paralyzes us for what God has called us to do in any particular moment. And that, what I love it, what's so refreshing is as I go, and then really he's just wanting us to behold him. He's wanting us to to be with him and or just to recognize that he is with us every step of the way. Yeah. What what are some things that as as you've been coaching other people around this concept um, has come up in conversations that you've had to walk through as it go as it pertains to as you go and behold. 
Yeah, so one of the probably most frustrating pieces of entering into this kind of way of life is in America, we want things to be fast, and in the kingdom of God, they're often slow. And so in the process of this, it is a slow process. Think crock pot, not microwave. And then we also would love it to be big immediately. Hey, I am making disciples. Look at how many I am making And we want it to be a large, big thing. And often, again, in the kingdom of God, when Jesus illustrates what that's like, it's like yeast, which, by the way, yeast is very small. It's like a mustard seed. Mm -hmm. Hey, the kingdom of God is like a shepherd who leaves the 99, and he chases after the one. So it's it's small, and we also would love it to be pain-free. We would (laughs) love it if it didn't cost so much But Jesus says, hey, everyone can afford this, but it's going to cost you everything. Hmm. Everyone can can afford to be a part of the kingdom of God, but it is going to cost you everything. The price is everything, but but everyone can afford this, which is why it is so hard, I think, for rich people to enter into the kingdom of God Hmm. because it's, it's not cheap. It costs a lot. And when we talk to people that have entered into this way of life, they talk about how good it is and how hard it is. Yeah. It, it's not either or, it's both, and it's totally worth it. But man, there's a lot of tears. As much laughter as there is and as much enjoyment and delight, there is legitimate suffering mm-hmm. that comes along with this that you have to look in the face and say, that's worth the cost. Hmm. Dang. That's good, dude. But, and... Again, it goes back to that identity piece and something that I've I've wrestled with in my own faith journey, especially over the last couple of years. I shared this on Sunday um, for our equipping gathering for the month of May. I it just for me, you know, being a pastor over the last thirteen years, going to you know Bible college, reading I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. of books, and studying you know the scriptures over and over and over again. Um. I feel like I haven't always identified as, and really up until the last couple years, identified as a disciple maker. And the and the question that continue, like when I read through Matthew 28 and I, and I toss this out, not as a, hey, y'all are doing it wrong, but like pointing the finger at me and just ask, simply asking the question, like, can I call my, myself a disciple if I've never made disciples? I've never made a disciple. And there was I'm kind I'm of talking. a gasp in the room, by the way. When you <laughs> said that the other night, people were like, ooh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I be a disciple if I've never made one? Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of really good conversations around tables about that. And and yeah. And for me and for us, um, I'll, I'll say this for myself and for our family, uh, the Everett household has been a lot of conversation around that. Um, and am I making, am I make, what kind of disciples am I making? Because mm-hmm. so often I can make a disciple that really fits my mold and starts to have people look more like me, but that's <laughs> sure as heck it's not the goal. <laughs> we don't, we don't need any more Adams out there. <laughs> You know, we want we want people that look more and more like Jesus. And so I actually wrote this in my journal today of um am I the type of disciple maker that is pointing people to Jesus? Yeah. Without and I kind of put a little 
caveat there, like without being really weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like what John Wimber used to say, the guy who started the vineyard movement. He used to say, we want to be supernatural, but we want to be naturally supernatural. We don't want to be weird. (laughs) Let's not, (laughs) let's not be weird. Yes. Yeah. That's good, man. I've always been convicted by the question of if every disciple in the world followed Jesus the way that I'm following Jesus, would that be a good thing? Or would it be horrifying? <laughs> and that, that to me is like a really, a really convicting question. And like you said earlier, can I be a disciple? That's such a good question. If, if I've never made a disciple, and maybe can I rephrase that for a second and just yeah. ask the question, can you really be a learner of something? Because the root word of disciple just means to be a learner. If I can kind of take it down a notch maybe in your head to stop letting disciple making be this elite thing for the paid professionals and make it more earthy of yeah. no everyone by the power of the spirit is equipped uniquely to be a disciple maker. And so mm-hmm. can you be a learner? Can you be a genuine learner if you've never passed on any information that you've learned? Hmm. Because a, a true learner who absorbs something just naturally kind of seeps that out to Absolutely. other people. And my, our kids are a great example of this. When my son's learning to read and he's learning to count, he shares that. Mm-hmm. He can pass that on to other people. And it needs to be as natural as that and supernaturally natural. As, as the Spirit does something in me, I pass that on hmm. to somebody else. And so we also talked about Acts 2 the other night and talked about the early church and what that looked like when Peter stood up and he proclaimed this mm-hmm. Jesus whom you crucified, he was the Lord that you were waiting for. He was the Messiah. And, and so what, and then all the people respond by, well, what are we gonna do with this? What should we do about this? And he says, repent and be baptized. And, you know, 3,000 people, which I'm guaranteeing there's more than 3,000 people there, but 3,000 heard it and responded. They mm-hmm. obeyed and they were baptized. Mm-hmm. And they entered into a common way of life together, you know, that were, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were learning constantly. They were word-centered. They were devoted to fellowship, the kind of fellowship where they were selling things, mm-hmm. land, and giving that money to people who actually needed it. They were devoted to communion, or as other people say, just having meals together. Yeah. And then they were also devoted to prayer or the prayers. They were devoted mm-hmm. to continually praying the Psalms and learning how to pray in their everyday life and being people who are constantly in prayer. I'll say that when we walked through that this last week, the thing that bothered me most was when it talked about they performed many miracles and people stood in awe and Hmm. reverence. And I really long for that. I want that. In our everyday common life, I I want the work of God to be validated by miraculous things, by supernatural things. I want people to be cured of cancer. Mm-hmm. I want addictions to be like broken free. I want people to have genuine visions of like, God's gonna do this <laughs> or dreams. And I, I want people to hear from the Lord, not from me and not from yeah. you, not listening to a podcast, but genuinely like I've tasted and seen for myself that God is good. And I'm gonna go do this because we've been talking about this a lot, but all the movements we've come to know around the world are just moments of people encountering God and being lovingly obedient to that encounter. Whatever that is, they encounter the living God and then they act on it. Yeah. And he blesses that. He blesses that faithfulness, that mustard seed small faithfulness. So I was, I was really bothered by that the other night. I thought, Lord, 
I know that Jesus came into different towns and he wasn't able to do miracles because there was a lack of faith. And, and so is it me? <laughs> is, it, is, it this, is it this world? Is it our culture mm. of people that are we lacking in faith? And it doesn't take a massive amount of faith. Yeah, dude. But like that really bothered me. I'll just say that. Yeah, I want to I want to touch on that real quick. Um, I've been convicted by that a lot lately. Just in my, um, again in my ordinary everyday life as I go, um, am I asking? Am I asking people? One of the questions that I we I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast or not, but one of the questions that you know when you when you go up to pray with somebody or you go up to just engage with somebody. Um, one of the questions that was posed to me the, the other day was if God could do anything in your life right now, today, what would you want God to do? Love that question. And just allow people to, to maybe dream up a miracle in their own words of, man, I believe in God, if God would do this and, and maybe you have to steer the conversation a little bit. I don't know. It could maybe get pretty ridiculous of what people wish for. You know, God's not a genie. If God gave me a million dollars, you know, whatever, you know. But I think there's, I think within every single soul, there's a longing for something, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it be a fulfillment of relationship uh, or a void that's there, Um, you know, illness that's there, either physically, mentally, emotionally, et cetera, maybe a marriage that's broken, a family that's disoriented, um, I mean, there's something in somebody's life that as you started to walk through a conversation and listening, engaging mm-hmm. with them and a- simply ask that question or maybe steer the conversation to uh, uplift that type of answer from that question and then, and then just get on your knees and pray for that continuously. And I think about like, you know, Jesus saying, you're not receiving because you're not asking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I want to do these things for you. And I'm not saying you are not. I'm not asking. <laughs> you're not asking. <laughs> but I think just in that tangible way of, of having those conversations with people, um, I think for me personally, yeah. I shy away from the specifics of that because I'm like, oh, crap, dude, if God doesn't show up, man, like, you know, he's got egg on his face and I'm going to have to explain that away. It's like, yeah. <laughs> no, dude, like God's bigger than that. Like, what? A, yeah. He doesn't need me to explain anything away. Like, <laughs> no. what am I thinking? So, yeah, I I think there's a lot to that, and and what's beautiful about that is that's that is the church being expressed as the church, and and so that that's the activity that we we did, and I would encourage you as a listener to to walk through that if you if you've never gone through Acts two. 36 through 47 and then just listed out the activities yeah. that uh, are in the in the scripture and then circle those the activities that you are currently participating in in community in the context of community or as you would just say mm-hmm. is expressed as the church and then what's missing um, from that and I think there's a lot that for uh, for every table on Sunday there was a lot that was missing. And the homework for, for us going forward is, again, this practicing this is this idea of like, okay, so if we are the church that's formed by God with one another for the good of others, that's the ecclesial minimums of what it means to be the church, what's missing in my current community that's expressed through Acts 2? Yeah. And how can I engage with that 
uh, with my community? How can we talk about that in the context of our community to say, man, really, we're we're limiting ourselves as being the church if we're not if we're not practicing these things. Yeah, and a word of encouragement: if you dare to do that, if you dare to open up the word and really <laughs> ask that question of where do I feel the tension in that? Just know that that tension is meant to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's not something to shy away from. And we all have things that we need to repent from. Uh, I really enjoyed what Matthew said. I've thought about that the last few days when we talked about Acts 2. He said, I see this idea of repentance being central to who the church is, You know, constantly mm-hmm. asking, what are the things that we need to turn away from? And not only what things do we need to turn away from and repent from, but a dependence on the Holy Spirit. It's the outpouring of the Spirit that is the catalyst for revival. Like nothing more, nothing less. Everything Mm. that Peter is doing in that passage, all the life together stuff is rooted in Jesus to the glory of the Father empowered by the Spirit. There's a Trinitarian power in that. And I I, uh, was in Illinois last week and my brother was in the hospital Mm. for eight days struggling with COVID and pneumonia. He's cool now, he's good, he's out. Thanks for everybody praying. Uh, but when I was there, my sister-in-law, Mindy's her name, uh, she showed me this journal entry because I, I was talking to her about the tension I feel at times as a disciple maker, doing what we're doing. And if I could just read this, I thought this was really good. She said in her journal, she wrote, instead of feeling tension and ignoring it or numbing it out with distractions or dreading it or praying for God that it would end, what if that tension is actually a sweet spot? What if that tension actually pulls us into communion with God like nothing else can? What if that tension causes us to run towards God like nothing else can? What if that tension, what if through that tension we experience the true nearness of God, a true need for the next breath, wind, paycheck, daily bread to fill our souls and provide overflow for other people? What if tension is a kingdom gift, a severe mercy? And she says, and not to look at it through the eyes and feel a deep, what if it's, it forces us to look deep into the eyes of our Savior so that we don't miss divine appointments, to know the creator and sustainer of the world more? That was so encouraging to me. Thank you. Because I feel that. I feel that tension when I read Acts 2, when I read Matthew 28. There is this longing for more. Mm-hmm. But that longing is meant to draw us into intimacy, not only with God, but with one another too, of like, I can't do this alone. Dude, and I was just going to say that if you didn't listen to the last episode with Michelle, <laughs> he ends uh, by talking about, you know, the, the yoke being, we're tethered to Jesus and walking and working with him. But I had never thought of this before. And the fact that nope. we, through our limitations there's a blessing. So that tension that we feel like we don't have it all together. We can't have it all together. We're not going to do all the things perfectly yet. We're tied to a body of people, the church yeah, that are holding us up because we are limited (laughs) and they're walking and working with us. And so we're doing this together. We are the body together. And so uh, I just love that. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to Michelle, stop this right now and go back and just listen to him because so good. it's awesome. But uh, we're going to end today just talking just real briefly. And we're going to, we're actually just going to just catapult us into a couple more episodes that we're going to actually flesh this out of what it means to be the church. 
And what are we looking for in that? So we talked about Acts 2, and we're really measuring um, what we talk about with our communities, our church communities, based off of that. Um, we've been saying this for a long time. It's it's worship, it's community, it's mission. So formed by God with one another for the good of others. Yeah. And very practically speaking, we just put up a diagram on Sunday just to say, okay, so um, it's not an every week type of thing. It's in terms of like, I go to, you know, again, the the typical paradigm. I go to a church building on a Sunday. I attend a worship service. Um, and that's me participating in the church. Or maybe I do another program during the, the midweek of some sort. Um, and again, those are not bad things at no. all. Those are part of formation. Um, and I would say that's a good part of formation. Yeah. Um, but where it falls short is when we're not fixed on our mission. And that is to be a disciple that makes disciples and see multiplication happen from that. Or as we like to say, like when we disciple people, then the church emerges. We don't just put a building up and say, hey, we're the church now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a byproduct of our discipleship. And so we just talk about it twice a month, you know, whether it be a discovery Bible study or you're meeting the needs within your community, or you're doing a dinner party, or prayer walk, or you know any of those types of formational things. Um, it's just twice a month, you know, that we're doing that, or twice a month that has an equal weight to this is is being on mission, so for the good of other people. So wherever wherever we are called, whether it's our neighborhood, our workplace, yeah. our even our own homes. Again, I can go on a, a rant here about some people are like, hey, I can't do all these other things because it's so crazy within my home. And it's like, Hey, maybe you're just called to be this in your home right now. And that's not, not good enough. Like that is what God's called you to right now. And that's not a lesser thing. Hmm. Anyway, we'll get to that later on, but the, uh, for the good of others, you know, so that's two times a month. I'm worth, we're collectively as a church community, thinking about how can we be a blessing to the community which God sent us, yeah. and and so that could be, you know, again, there's a, a lot of different examples that we'll give later on, um, but again, we're thinking about this from the standpoint of that's four times in the month that I'm just I'm trying to wrap our my heart and my mind around our community, really embodying this, and as we started the podcast talking about hey, we are with you all along the way to equip you, resource you to be able to do this. And so the other two things that we talk about, uh, or the other thing that we talk about is twice a month participating in a one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. with a director on our, our rhythm team or and or participating in the equipping gatherings yeah. that are held once a month in person and then once a month on Zoom. And so that kind of gives a, a framework and we can... Um, we could add that in the show notes, yeah. Um, just as a visual for you to see. But what what's any lasting or last pieces on that that you can think of? I would say for those of you who were there uh, for that discovery time, the equipping time this last week, it'd be really good to go back and to soak in that. Look at your notes, journal through what that tension is. Let it draw you into communion. For those of you who are listening and. Haven't done that in a while. Hasn't maybe you haven't sat down and looked at Matthew twenty-eight in a while, or listed out in Acts two. This is what the church looked like. This is a very potent, simple relational form of the church. It's an extended family. It's not 
an organization. And Jesus is the head of the family. And we are one body. And I would just encourage you to dive into that and let the Holy Spirit lead you in whatever direction he wants you to lead into. So thanks, bro. It's yeah, been a pleasure absolutely. today. Appreciate you guys being here. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life and Rhythm Podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.